So I was searching through my screenshots, which is kind of a common way for me to start the show to see if there's anything <laughs> funny that happened on the internet. What? Yeah. What did I do? What did I see? <laughs> Where was I? Uh, it's like reverse detective for myself. I Googled last week, Godzilla symbolism. <laughs> oh, okay. And I did this because I saw a tweet with like three different Godzilla drawings and they were talking about what they all represented and they were like really different things. I was like, I thought it was just atomic shit. But another one was like survivor's guilt. Another one was something else. I don't remember. Um, but then I ended up just Googling it and I sometimes like to look at the, the people also search for section. And this one was a real doozy. People also search for section is like, if you need to be brought down a couple pegs of like, you know what? You're not, you're like, two steps away from people who search this. <laughs> yes. It's like, do you want your, your quotient of like how smart you think regular people are kind of brought down a little? <laughs> are you feeling too good about humanity? Yeah. Here we go. Godzilla symbolism, atomic bomb. That one's fine. That's basically why I was there. Yeah. Is Godzilla real? Oh no. Is Godzilla good or bad? Well, that's a fair question. <laughs> I think he switches sides a lot. He's like sometimes saving humanity, sometimes crushing everything. Well, always crushing everything, but he's always a danger for that. You know, it's always possibly, you know, possible that he get goes too far. Mm-hmm. But you want someone with the capability of going too far to go to bat for you against the giant, you know, lion guy or whatever he fights. Uh, I mean, I know Mothra is in there in the mix. Yeah, those are my favorite. I mean, there's also is Godzilla a girl? Pressing question, we have to know. Girl boss, yes or no? Show me Godzilla's genitals. I need to inspect them. Or more importantly, does he, he identify with a certain gender? That's great. We need to know this too. We need to know his <laughs> complex feelings on gender. Well, I think they I think Godzilla actually reproduces like maybe asexually. Godzilla's above gender. Maybe beyond I gender. I think someone said that he's like kind of hermaphroditic in that like like a lot of amphibians are. Like they can be whatever is required of them. He's amphibious. I thought he was a reptile. I thought he was too, but I don't fucking know. I guess he's always in the water. Coming he's a out lizard. of the water. So. That's true. He fucking lived underwater for like a long time. That's pretty amphibian. Well, I'm going to add to the uh, pantheon of Google searches <laughs> here. Is Godzilla a reptile or amphibian? Prehistoric reptilian monster. Okay, do reptiles do that kind of shit? Do they change their gender for fucking? Gojapedia says that he is technically a reptile, not an amphibian. Mm. But he has an amphibious lifestyle. <laughs> he identifies as amphibian. Biologists out there in our audience, chime in. <laughs> educate sure. us. Sure. I know it's uh, not your job to educate us, but... Do it still. for fun. Yeah. It was just, it was one of those Google searches where like, I was in too deep. Like I was like clicking every link, like, all right, I'm looking for the, the themes to this movie. And so I was clicking on all the Godzilla movies and I was like, there's too many fucking Godzilla movies and monsters here to keep up with. So I ended up falling asleep. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, I guess it's just too much to keep track of. I'm not a Godzilla guy. People get really into that shit, but like, I don't know any of the old ones. And then I only, I'm really aware of a couple of the modern ones. Yeah, I watched the one with Brian Cranston. Was that good? It was okay. 
I liked when he was in it. I was going to say, did he carry it, basically? <laughs> he did a good job, yeah. Anyway, what we got going? I have some stupid stuff. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's all sorts of stupid stuff going <laughs> on in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's apparently slated to only get stupider. Great, great. Let's just really push this thing, see, see how far we can push it. Well, there was a... Uh, a report out by Oxfam, like an anti-poverty organization, Oxfam International. Uh, and they said this past week in their annual assessment of global inequalities, this is an Associated Press story, uh, that the world could have its first trillionaire within a decade. God, I just ate. You can't throw that kind of stuff at me. Like, I'm still digesting <laughs> food. I almost threw up all over my microphone. Wow. Uh, listeners, you know, maybe maybe not you, but think about maybe you're more activist or not activist in this way, but like people of action that, you know, soldiers of fortune types, uh, just, you know, anyone that gives you that's giving kind of crazy white boy energy or crazy anyone <laughs> energy, you know, maybe start talking them up, talking about like class inequality and isn't it fucked up about these guys and maybe start ginning them up to kind of do an on-site sort of situation with whoever ends up being this first world's first trillionaire. Yeah, yeah, that just does not need to exist. Uh, that's disgusting. They need to ring in that newfound wealth with just meeting a grizzly and <laughs> immediately. Yeah, that's, oh my God. Uh, that's, a, that's an L for us. Mm-hmm. Not doing well. Not supposed to do that. I mean, we already have too many billionaires as it is. Which is a number that's very hard to conceive of. Right. It's kind of like I was teaching the kids today about how big Africa is. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Way bigger than you think. Yeah. I had I found this cool gift that was like uh, shrinking countries to relative, like, the northern hemisphere countries that are really distorted by the Mercator yeah. projection. And it would like show the Mercator projection, but then it would shrink those countries relative to the equator countries, you know? Mm, yeah, yeah. So it'd be like the square mile would look the same for each. And so whoa, they really, really shrink. The similar thing of like the sheer size of, you know, Africa in that case is, is kind of hard to fathom in relation to other countries, given what we're used to seeing on the map and given what we're used to experiencing money wise or oh you know in our own world man like it would be life altering to have like a million ten million dollars yeah yeah like you'd be like what do i do like that would be a real question of like what what the fuck it would be a before and after situation my life before then and my life after then uh and billionaires it's just a complete less like not really on their radar it's fucking inconceivable. <laughs> it's just too much money to, like, count. <laughs> I mean, not really, because we know how much it is. But still, like, on a practical sense, you know what I mean? Like, it mm -hmm. would be hard to spend that much money. Yeah, it's getting out of hand. I mean, <laughs> uh -huh. and it's not, not to make kind of a liberal take of, like, well, we just need to regulate these biz billionaires and take away their money, you know. But, like, how did they get that, you know? The whole <laughs> system... And it's, I don't know, it's, we don't really have the answers to solving that, I guess, besides let's do socialism, guys, you know, 
<laughs> Start doing revolution. But it's just distressing to see. Although even these would be soon to be trillionaires, then they you know they're not yet. And currently even the richest man on the planet is said to be Elon Musk. Of yeah. Just under $250 billion. The world's first billionaire was John D. Rockefeller. And he was really up there in terms of like adjusted for inflation too. But the highest, like the richest person ever in terms of inflation adjusted wealth. And this is sort of an estimation because it depends on the historian you get as far as like, because kind of he has at his disposal, like his entire empire's stockpile of gold. So, you know, what if that was his versus mm. not? Some of it's just assets, guys. Right. That wasn't a really, that wasn't a concept <laughs> back then in their society. At least that was like the emperor, you know, the king, the empire, like that was one thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, oh, I make a separate wage or something like that. Anyway, this guy Mansa Musa um, from the empire of Mali. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. In like the 1300s. I've heard that name. It was like around like $500 billion in today's money. Wasn't this the guy that like everywhere he went, like he caused like inflation issues or something? Uh, yeah, <laughs> not <laughs> everywhere he went, but he did go on this uh, Hajj or pilgrimage to Mecca and took with him this humongous caravan of people just like loaded with gold. <laughs> And he's just, like, giving it away. He's, like, buying souvenirs and trading and all this shit everywhere. And, yeah, just... just financial chaos. Everyone is swimming in gold afterward. <laughs> and it's just it just craters the value for a while. That's so funny. And he's like, I'm not trying to be an asshole. He just... <laughs> just I was just trying to have a good time, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These guys still have some catching up to do if they want to be world's richest person ever. <laughs> but I hope they don't get there. You know, that's, that's a record no. that needs to just stay... Stay in the past. Yeah, leave that to Mansa Musa. <laughs> Let him have that, and we can find something better to do. <laughs> Please, anything, literally anything. Well, not literally anything. I well, don't know. no, yeah, no. But <laughs> come on, we just we got to nip this shit in the bud. I'm over it. Yeah, Christine's over trillionaires. <laughs> this just just in. over it. It's out. I'm calling it. Trillionaires are out. Socialism is in. Get on board. <laughs> What's been in in my house was this little History Channel show. It started just because, like, I was drawing on the couch and I needed something in the background that both Kyle and I would enjoy passively. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we started watching the show called I Was There. Ooh. It makes it sound like it's going to be all these, like, firsthand accounts of shit. It, that's not it. <laughs> what it is is... what. Their host, like, walks through reenactments of things, like, you know, like, uh, cinematic reenactments. What's the word? You know? Yeah, it's a reenactment. I mean... Yeah, okay. But I didn't want it to seem like amateur reenactments, like just Civil War weirdos. (laughs) Oh, Uh, I see. Yeah, so he just, like, walks through scenes of, like, historical events and is like, this is whatever. You know, this is Salem. Like, there's one about the Salem Witch Trials and stuff like that. A lot of them were about stuff, like, I already knew some stuff about, like, like Salem. Mm-hmm. The first episode in this season, though, was about the flood, one of the worst floods in the United States. Uh, I was going to say, like, the flood, like Noah's Ark, the flood. <laughs> this is Noah <laughs> and his big boat. And, of course, History Channel will be like, this was history and I was <laughs> this there. This is absolutely real. 
Uh, no, this is referring to the Johnstown flood. Uh, not to be confused with Jonestown. This is John. Different, right. different guy. Different bad situation. All right. Uh, was he also like CIA connected? <laughs> well, they would have had to get a really early start because this was in 1889. Oh, damn. That's even before the OSS. <laughs> yeah, they don't really... They're not around yet. I think he had Secret Service back then, maybe, or their predecessor. It, it, the predecessor, their predecessor was just the Treasury <laughs> Department. But all right, so what? What was what was happening in Johnstown? Where Where is Johnstown? What? Johnstown is in Pennsylvania. Okay. And this was a story of crimes of capitalism, and it was really fun to watch this, like with my husband and both of us just cracking up. Like, I'm sorry, what? Like, <laughs> it just got pretty bonkers. And then History okay. Channel is probably just playing it straight like this was an engineering disaster. Or this was, you know, whatever. Like, it just was unfortunate. <laughs> sort of. They played it much more of like, this is Gilded Age shit. Mm, okay. But they went after the guys because we can just blame it on some people. Here's what happened. <laughs> so you've got this, this, this city called Johnstown and you end up getting... Uh, a lot of speculators. So, you know, shit's going great, right? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing bad will ever happen. Yeah, that's a healthy recipe for anything, whether it's, you know, Gilded Age speculators or, you know, tech bro venture capitalists. or they're, They always back a winning horse. They, they're bringing in jobs, you they know. They efficiently <laughs> allocate resources. Oh, oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> a lot of... Uh, iron guys, a lot of railroad guys, and it's bumping. You have um, very much like a, you have a fancy area of town, you have a not fancy area of town, uh, which is mostly filled with like Welsh and German immigrants. And it was prone to flooding because <laughs> it's like in a valley, right? Yeah, that would make sense. Uh, so they have this, this dam, they have the South Fork Dam and the city builds it, or I guess the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So that's the state, huh? So the state builds a dam. Yeah. Then you get these speculators coming in. Uh, They end up purchasing the dam and the lake with it because the state was selling it. They were selling the canal. They're selling the, because railroads had gotten popular and they're like, nobody fucking uses canals anymore. So who wants this lake and dam? So these rich guys are like, oh, me, I definitely want it. And this was just like a, a boring ass dam. I mean, it's the 1800s. It's not like a hydroelectric. It's 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 just like it's just a fucking looks like a, a bridge. wall. Yeah, okay, <laughs> bridge with wall. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Henry Clay Frick was the leader of this little enterprising group. Ooh. I'm seeing a, a flicker of recognition there. All my homies hate <laughs> Frick. Uh, a lot of these guys were connected to Carnegie Steel. Uh, so you know they're good upstanding gentlemen yeah frick was the guy that um emma goldman's man shot what was his name berkman alexander berkman because he was big on propaganda of the deed yeah that's right Uh, that's right assassination attempt here we go yeah served 14 years in prison to try to off this dude it happened after this so he wouldn't have saved the lives of these people but still i mean revenge would be good yeah, I know. He, he deserved it. <laughs> For sure. Uh, here's what happens. These rich guys, they buy this lake and they're like, you know what? Let's all be bougie lake house dudes. And okay. so they Classic uh, move. Con- 
they convert it into like a resort, like a private resort for them and their wealthy buddies. Normal. To do this, they're like, this dam sucks. Let's make some changes. <laughs> so, so, they they brought, lo- so they brought in the Army Corps of Engineers to like inspect it <laughs> and get permits and make sure that what they were doing is architecturally sound. Nah, dog. They do some stupid shit. They lower the dam by three feet. All right. There's a whole system of relief pipes and valves. They sold that off for scrap uh, and so, did not. Well, previously was sold off for scrap. So I don't know. That might have been the state. Uh, either way, they did not replace this like vital pipe work. <laughs> that's all of that is. is that's insane. like Dam 101. Like, yeah, a dam has complex like hydrostatic equations and shit you got to do to be like, oh, it needs to be this high, this thick at this point because it's got the weight of water, like potentially bursting the whole thing. You can't just be like, we should go lower it by three feet and just like take three (laughs) feet off the top. And then the the relief pipes, that's just insane asking for it. Yeah, because those are there so you can lower the water level in case of an emergency. Mm-hmm. If you don't have those and an emergency happens, which spoiler, it's going to happen. Bad things happen. My favorite part of this is that they're like a, a they make a fishing and hunting club. And so they stock the lake with fish and they're like, well, I just bought all these fish. So they put in a, a fish screen so that fish can't get out of the lake, which means they're like clogging up the dam with all this debris there's like fucking trees and shit down there like it's just like a mess oh i was thinking just like fish guts and bones and shit. <laughs> just like corpses of fish <laughs> that couldn't get fish. out <laughs> no it's just like debris down there they just are like fuck it let's just plug this river that'll be fine right <laughs> yeah no not a problem <laughs> so on may 28th 1889 uh you got you got some weather uh you have an estimated six to ten inches of rain in 24 hours that's like a lot so you have intense flooding you have like creeks are overflowing uh you have trees coming out of the roots and you know debris everywhere telegraph lines are downed um and the lake is like so fucking full (laughs) so uh people are like trying to like dig ditches at the other end they're trying to like let some of the water out they're trying to raise the crest above the water like to save the wall like they're doing all this shit uh it does not work basically yeah. uh, you end up having to like send a telegraph to be like hey uh watch out this dam is not doing well <laughs> but because there have been many false alarms in the past of the dam not holding people are like fucking whatever <laughs> this again <laughs> this fucking dam okay cool it got bad. You had water levels as high as 10 feet in the streets. Like, Whoa. very, very bad. Yeah. The whole flood killed 2,208 people, uh, equivalent to about, let's see, that's a lot of zeros, $550 million uh, in damage. Uh, so, yeah, it was pretty fucking bad. And it was all just some rich guy's fault. That's the uh, wonders of privatization. <laughs> It's like, what? I mean, they don't have an, you know, capitalists like to talk about incentives and everything. And, oh, people have to, like, the thing about government is it is supposed to be accountable to, broadly speaking, people. I mean, in any sort of democratic institution. And, you know, public schools or 
public facilities of any sort, transportation, what have you, people like have a an obligation to put resources toward that if they want to, if they don't want, you know, the subway collapsing on them or the dam collapsing on them or whatever, you know, whereas a business just has to keep it safe enough to where if a disaster does strike, they're still making money. You know, they don't care. They're not using it themselves, really. They're just uh, trying to keep afloat, trying to make a profit, trying to rip people off. Yeah. I mean, they're just there to have a good time in the lake with their buddies. Like, they don't fucking care what happens to the town downstream. Yeah, that's that's wild. I hadn't heard about this. Uh, I hadn't heard about it either. I was very surprised. And, like, it was just such a great example of, like, you know, Gilded Age crazy shit of, like... <laughs> Fuck this, fuck this town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised that uh, Frick was involved. He's a jackass. Real son of a bitch. Yeah. I was there. I was there. <laughs> That's so weird. It's like, because History Channel <laughs> used to... It's very misleading. <laughs> well, they, they used to like a good, like maybe half of the stuff they put out was like that. You yeah, know, Back like in the old days, it interviews. was like half World War Two, or, you know... 30% World War Two, and then 10, 20% kind of like modern Marvel's technology type stuff. And then the other part would be like the historical reenactment, whatever special it was, you know, oh, the revolution or whatever little series they were doing. But it was like all that sort of like, uh, you know, interviews with people plus little like actors doing you know pretend oh there's george washington at the battle or whatever yeah now it's all just reality stuff it's insane right now i saw so many terrible ads for like swamp people and just the stupidest shows they're still doing swamp people they're still doing swamp people and swamp mysteries swamp mysteries <laughs> uh quick addendum to the story uh or an epilogue what have you uh the club was like people were pissed at it they're like hey assholes you caused this flood uh, and they had to, like, go to court over it. Uh, but because we didn't have what's called, like, strict liability, mm -hmm. uh, which means, like, hey, you're responsible if something on your property hurts somebody, <laughs> um, they got away with it. They basically just got away. Don't worry, though. Uh, fucking Andrew Carnegie built the town a library, so it's fucking fine. Oh, so nice. <laughs> and that Frick guy donated a bunch of money. But, like, fuck you. Shouldn't have happened. Uh, but yeah, this had like kind of a, a legal effect of like, hey, maybe we should like do something about that. <laughs> yeah. Because like all these people could not sue for damages. And so a lot of courts ended up uh, adopting this this kind of common law precedent of a defendant could be held liable for damage caused by unnatural use of land. At least it changed things for the future, made it less shitty, but still shitty that that could happen. Yeah. <laughs> Like with the airplane getting its, you know, fake door blown off. Jesus, there was another one that was like a plane stopped because a passenger while boarding noticed that they were missing bolts. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, that shouldn't be on me. No, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm like the hundredth person in line on the check on the plane. Like I should not. Have, like a lot of people <laughs> did not check this plane for me to have noticed it. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. And like, uh, okay, so for me, every time I'm on a plane, whether I'm looking at like the wing or one of the little engines or just anything on it, I'm always like, I wonder if that's supposed to look that way. Like every, it all looks weird and sort of suspicious to mm, me Yeah, of like, 
just kind of paranoid. You know, it's like, oh, shit, is that gonna is that gonna break? Is it supposed to make that sound? <laughs> or the engine supposed to be that you know that mm-hmm. loud or that pitch or whatever? I don't know shit. I have no idea. I always just assume like oh, somebody. <laughs> It said must it was be fine. fine Somebody fine check it. this. It's not up to me. <laughs> yeah. The fuck? Uh, Apparently it is. Might not have to worry about it for that much longer. Uh, if we do make it out to the tri- the dawn of the trillionaires, <laughs> that might be lucky. Uh, because the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists uh, made the announcement, their annual doomsday announcement. Oh, cool. Uh, this week. And... For the second year running, we are only 90 seconds to midnight, which is like midnight it's all is over. see you later. Yeah. That's when they CN. What is it? CNN? Like they air the near, nearer God to thee, like the band playing near my God to thee mm, in front of the yeah, White House right, or something. Right. That weird tape. That they weird have. In, in case of total death. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna burn together here just watch this here we go uh that's insane yeah. that's not how i spend my last 90 seconds that's fucking for sure <laughs> watching uh, cnn yeah <laughs> there's gotta be a better way to go out don't do that uh, like you know find something anything better to do than that um <laughs> uh, so okay how do you fucking calculate that it's just like how many nuclear weapons there are and how crazy the people are that are holding them yeah it's a simple equation i mean you just Very plug in numbers math. you just yeah <laughs> the uh, crazy question <laughs> <laughs> they cited nuclear threat in russia's war on ukraine which i didn't know anybody was threatening nukes about that but they seem to say maybe they seem to think so <laughs> as well as the october 7th attack in israel the war in gaza worsening climate related disasters and the danger of generative artificial intelligence. Interesting. That's a new one. I mean, I feel like if we if we leap up to real artificial intelligence, maybe. But generate. I mean, this is just Chad GPT. I mean, it's not going to do anything that that bad. And like we've all seen the movie War Games, starring Matthew Broderick. We learned our lesson. Yeah, just send teens in to fix it. Yeah, hang out with like a dinosaur scientist for some reason. <laughs> I love that fucking movie. I've only seen it like once a long time ago. I don't even remember it. It's very good. And by very good, I mean very bad, but I love it. (laughs) They said the clock could be turned back if leaders and nations work together. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Easy. Why didn't I think of that? Damn. They're so smart. That's why they're the scientists. Yeah. (laughs) They went to school for that shit. (laughs) So, you know, just watch out. Like the intern got to write that part of the section you know like what do you think we should do uh, work together <laughs> okay sure no one's gonna read this anyway <laughs> right i wonder they probably have did they ever untick the clock they're like oh we got five minutes now guys it's fine <laughs> <laughs> everyone retired those old bombs that are way worse so we're good yeah like it seems like if you it's put the clock down. out there and say it's three minutes to midnight like whatever you've set the scale for one thing like i feel like the chillest you could ever be as the bulletin of atomic scientists is like 15 minutes i mean i think we go with the runtime of war games you have some time to shut it down and like in all these movies like in fucking strange love and other atomic situations you always have people being like is it real is it real is it real should we do it Mm -hmm. like you got some time yeah i think you have like an hour (laughs) 
but that's a whole turn of the clock. You can't. That's not dramatic. You can't be like, okay, we have. Uh, <laughs> we have one hour. Yeah. But, okay, but that's great though. An hour though, that's enough time to like have a last, you know, a last bang out. You know, eat a good burger and go take a nap. Like that's great. That's how I want to go. But no one's gonna act if you do that, and then you can't get mm. people to change and start working together. Uh, <laughs> have they been doing that so far? Well, no, I guess not. Yeah, ask the fucking climate scientists. <laughs> They're like, we've been telling you guys this for a long time. No one's listening to our countdown clock. It's not. Yeah, it's not ninety seconds to midnight. It's like three a.m. Like it's. We're past it's, it. Yeah, we we have passed. The sun midnight. is rising. We're still drunk. <laughs> like, what are we doing? It's not good. I will say the the I was there show had a Chernobyl episode, which was very. I mean, not funny because it was bad. <laughs> Real knee slapper, Chernobyl. Uh, what do you mean? The characterization was very much like Soviets didn't want to do this because they were cutting corners. And I was like, why are they cutting corners, guys? Who's like maybe like giving them a big embargo and making life difficult for them? Do you want to elaborate on that? No, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> nothing to see here. They, I was they, there. I know. <laughs> they they characterize it as like a stubbornness of like they didn't trust the British engineer that came to inspect it, and so it was all paranoia that fueled this big disaster. Wow. Yeah, I was like, I mean, maybe, but also like, why are they having to cut corners? You know, like who's who's making them do that? <laughs> when you wage a decades long, you know, clandestine war against somebody, and then you're like, look at these bitches being paranoid about stuff. Right? <laughs> Why would they be paranoid? <laughs> There's nothing to be paranoid about, right? <laughs> yeah. Come on. Uh, yeah, that was an interesting Get one. With it. How else are we going to work together to turn back the dude? Because <laughs> we've got to work together. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, what else is happening? Some Israeli soldiers got blown up. And, uh, well, it was interesting just because of, well, what they were doing to get blown up. Times reported on it, you know, there's a, a blast that killed, a strange way to put it, about 20 soldiers. And I saw on AP that they said that Israel said it was 24 soldiers. Okay. Which is just like, why did you say 20? Like, were they waiting on a yeah, few guys about. to be like, is he going to pull through or is he going to die? Yeah. Or like, yeah. well, it's a blast. So maybe it's like, well, we have some legs and a torso. And was this one dude <laughs> oh or, or two or what? You know? Oh, but, yeah. Yeah. Just, I could see if it's like 200 and it's like, okay, well, about. You know, you yeah, yeah, but twenty, like you probably should know who is was that. Nineteen? Is that twenty-three? Like, what is that? So, anyway, blast kills about twenty soldiers linked to Israeli effort to create a Gaza buffer zone. Okay, what's this? Well, they weren't blown up by like Hamas militants throwing a bomb at them or rocket launching them. They were blown up by their own explosives, like uh, that Hamas, you know. The militants blew up and stuff, but it was, they weren't bringing the firepower. So, mm, uh, okay. Okay. I thought you meant it was a, an own goal situation. No, it wasn't like friendly fire. It was like they got ambushed basically or got attacked while they were doing this mm. and the explosives they were setting blew up. Oh, so, okay. Okay. Why were they setting explosives? So here's the deal. Explosion occurred Monday. Uh, Gazan militants fired toward a tank guarding an Israeli unit that had been setting explosives inside Palestinian buildings on the border in central Gaza with the intention of demolishing them. You know, they do the firefight, explosives go off, boom, boom, boom. 
says Israel wants to demolish many of the Palestinian buildings close to the border in order to create what they describe as a security zone, according to the three officials who spoke anonymously because they're not authorized to speak on the issue. said Israel's goal is to create a buffer of roughly six-tenths of a mile along the entire length of Israel's roughly 36-mile border with Gaza. As narrowest point, the territory is less than four miles wide. They're basically carving out of commercial buildings, uh, residential buildings, whatever. They're carving out their own DMZ. Jesus. All of it within Gaza. Not, you know, obviously none of it's going to be in Israel on Israel's side of the border. So they're just going to shrink the place. Uh-huh. An already really crowded place. Yeah, they're going to flatten the place. Jesus. And just say, okay, now this is going to be our little DMZ area. We're just going to, you know, have as many troops as we can muster riding around in their, in their tanks watching Netflix and... You know, bombing any kids who happen to stroll out into the flat, you know, wasteland that we've carved out. Jesus Christ. And it's crazy because they are just like, yeah, we we would like to do this. We're not officially going to announce that it's our policy, but it is what they're carrying out. And the uh, U.N., their special rapporteur on the right to adequate housing a fellow named Balakrishnan Rajagopal said uh, yeah this is not in the Geneva Conventions you cannot do this Uh, yeah no this is preemptive clearing of property Uh, basically on a property by property basis you could say yeah well you know maybe there are militants in this place we blow it up but Basically, as an occupier, you can't just, like, say, we're just going to flatten Insane. <laughs> property for people. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know the Mayan genocide or the Guatemalan genocide? Mm. No. Let's see. Guatemalan Civil War, U.S.-backed, <laughs> you know, the usual forced disappearances. I hadn't heard of the Guatemalan genocide. Like the or the Mayan genocide. Yeah, I've I've heard it called both, but and I don't I don't know a ton about it. Granted, this is based on a post, and I did a quick search to corroborate. But apparently, like Israel kind of served as a like, we'll also back this too. <laughs> you know, like they were kind of a middleman at one point of like, hey, we'll just we'll help you out. Oh yeah, Israel has played been a malevolent force throughout Latin America. Um, in terms of funding right-wing dictatorships and stuff and helping train their police, their secret police, their intelligence services. Jesus. Uh, Yeah, they're they're fucked up. Yeah. And uh, let's kind of expand on that, not just Latin America. I mean, in the United States, our police forces... uh, They get trained by them. Several of them, yeah, go get trained or bring over... Uh, IDF and Mossad people to come over and train them. Like, hey, cab the whole place. And they don't, they don't, you know, keep their issues over there. It's nope. widespread. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's not all fucking. Clearly, it's not self-defense. But <laughs> when you're backing other shit too, like that's definitely not either. <laughs> right. Like, how does that fit into Israel having the right to defend itself mm-hmm. or the right to exist? Is 
you know, funding and training police in another country. Not, not, not a bordering country, mind you. No, very no. far away country. Way the fuck out there. <laughs> uh, selling arms, you know, and, and backing dictators. Again, half a world away. Where does that fit into? Right to exist, you know, right to defend themselves. Doesn't seem to be related. Yeah, I'm not seeing a connection there. There is, you know, though, this connection, again, with those dictatorships, with the little petty fiefdoms that our own police forces and everything often carve out mm. in the U.S. with ostracized regimes of all sorts. I mean, when apartheid South Africa was a going concern still, uh, who was on their side was Israel. You know, and they were they were doing secret arms deals and stuff with each other despite the embargo that lots of countries had put on arms and stuff to South Africa. Uh, Israel was kind of weaseling around that. They had, you know, secret agreements in place and everything. Yeah. I mean, like, fucking didn't Netanyahu reject a deal that would return the hostages? Like, once again, ain't about the hostages, ain't about October 7th. Like, this this is not what this is about. They have people in Israel, like, protesting, interrupting. So, in the U.S., we have people interrupting, you know... Biden, when he's given a speech on whatever, and they're saying, like, fuck you, like, free Palestine, you guys are backing, you know, that's the sort of protest he faces. In Israel, their lawmakers and shit are facing protests from people who are like, you need to do something to get the hostages back quick, like, you know, and... and Wasn't this what this was about? Yeah, you know? Yeah, apparently, like, that's off the table. Yeah, I saw this story, this was in the Times, and just the headline... The headline reminded me of D&D. <laughs> okay. It says, In strategic bind, Israel weighs freeing hostages against destroying Hamas. You, you, you picture Israel trying to, you know, a player at your table. You've set them up to where it's like, okay, you can, you know, achieve Save the this village. goal <laughs> that you've been striving. Your character's really been going after this one bad guy. And even that's problematic because Hamas is just trying to fight for the liberation of Palestine. But still... You know, in their mind, okay, it's this bad malevolent force you're trying to take down. But to do so, you're going to have to kill some innocent people from your own <laughs> village that were captured that sent you on this whole mission uh -huh. to begin with. You'd think that would cause you to pause a little and say, what are we doing here? <laughs> and your player's like, can't I just fireball the whole encampment? Just destroy the <laughs> whole like, place? No, there's, there's kids in there. No, sorry. Yeah, not in addition to... The people they kidnapped from your village, they took them to their own village with people in it. Yeah, but can I just fireball the village? <laughs> can I use my necrotic atomic bomb? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? No. Like, uh, you know, and then this same, I mean, and this, to draw this analogy out, you know, Israel is not a force for good, as we were just saying, but they see themselves as it. They, they mm -hmm. would be the character at your table that is playing a paladin, you know, that is like, oh, I'm good, I'm righteous, look at me, fighting for people. And then that's the character that you have that's like, but should, should I just, should we just flatten the place? Like, go in and kill everything that moves? Like, can't we just do that? Oh How are they God. weighing these two things if they're considering themselves a good actor in this? Yeah, I truly don't understand. Like, it, it, it just... It completely knocks the, the feet out from under all the arguments you've been hearing here in the U.S., you know, like from from the media and from people who don't know a lot about the situation of like the hostages. This is fucked up. And this is 
you know, this, they didn't hit a military target. I'm like, please show me the military targets that Israel's hit because Jesus, they're like just killing children at this point. Oh yeah. I don't know. It is heartening to see. I don't think in official in you know, rep in, in mainstream news sources, really, you don't see much in this sort of sense. You have a little bit around the edges of like, okay, reporting is a little less like war on terror rabbit about. Yes. Stuff. They, they are trying to rein that in a little bit. Yeah. I, I will say I've seen a shift. But among regular people and in social media and stuff, like that does seem to be a lot more positive, I would say, uh, in terms of, you know, being disgusted with Israel's actions, at the very least, its successes, you know, uh, and being more in on kind of the weaker end of the spectrum in kind of a vague solidarity or sympathy with civilians in Palestine or whatever. And even to, 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 to kind of further a more radical take of being more actively pro Palestinian liberation. I don't know. It's, it's a different, different than you would normally, I think, see, I think there's a little bit of a shift in that. I, I don't know. I, I still feel like it's, fairly split like i i think like certain spaces for sure are on board like i'm i'm surprised as many liberals have have come out <laughs> you know or, or progressives or whatever you want to call them not communists right. <laughs> yeah, come out yeah, yeah. in in support of palestine but uh i think i think a lot of normies still still aren't on board <laughs> no you're right you're right it's not i just feel like the numbers are different compared to say again kind of hearkening to the war on terror and the yeah, war in Iraq yeah. and everything. That one was like, you had to be, you were portrayed as just like the worst fucking person. If you had any questions about it. <laughs> yeah. You were just like comically, not even out of touch. You were, cause it, there wasn't enough, there weren't enough people speaking out about it with any platform, I guess I should say, because there were a lot of anti-war people. I mean, there were, there was kind of the largest anti-war demonstration against the war in Iraq, I think kind of right before the invasion took place, they had a huge demonstration or whatever. So there were people well, that was like culturally seen as just a bunch of hippies and just like, whatever. Like I didn't see anyone or I don't know. I mean, I was also a fucking child, but <laughs> I haven't heard of a lot of like, um, it didn't seem like a legitimate take. I don't know how to say that in, in a, a nicer way. You know what I mean? It seemed like a thing for like crazy hippies or like crazy yeah. weirdos to think. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. As you know, th yeah, I, I always like to think of historical eras and say, well, yeah, there were people who you know disagreed and stuff like that. But just the the amount, the station in society they were in, or their their class situation, I suppose. Yeah, kind of like you said, made it to where there it's not really a serious amount or you know class of people who were disagreeing with it. Yeah, and I think, too, I think those people probably were a lot more isolated. Like, I'm thinking of, I read uh, Dykes to Watch Out For by Alison Bechtel, and uh, a large portion of it is, is taking place during, like, Bush-era years. And, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of it is about, like, how crazy she felt, and or, you know, her stand-in character for herself <laughs> felt of, you know, like, what is going, like, why, why does no one else feeling this way except for like my very small group of like queer friends you know and like mm -hmm. and i'm wondering 
they're one of the reasons we might feel we might feel differently now is that we have our own internet spaces that like can connect us with people who feel that way, which I'm very grateful for because otherwise I would feel like a fucking crazy person 24 <laughs> seven. Yeah, that is true. A lot, you know, too much probably has been written about the echo chamber effect of social media, which it can be bad, I guess. Sure, you know I mean? but like it, it I does. think it's also very powerful to be like, okay, it's not just me. I'm not isolated here you know, in my small conservative town, like there's more to it than just this. And I think culturally we were at a point and, you know, in the two thousands with Bush of like, everyone was watching the same TV. Everyone was listening to the same music. Not everyone, everyone obviously painting with a white brush, but like there was much more of a mainstream culture than there is now. Like there's mainstream culture now, but it's so fragmented. And so like, you can just opt out of shit and be like, yeah, I don't fucking like, no, I don't play that game. Yeah. I was telling Abby about this, uh, this sort of like demise of the monoliths kind of monoculture sort of thing. Uh, the way I see it kind of with my students of like, you know, there is some bullying and stuff that does kind of go on, but it's way like, it's not like popular versus nerds anymore. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I guess no one is universally reviled or admired enough to like have the whole school know about mm-hmm. them at all in the first place. Like, even on that like personal level, like it's just so fragmented. Yeah, I was experiencing this like I, I'm working on a book with with teenagers in it, and so I'm like, what the fuck do teenagers wear? And it's like anything is the answer. Yeah. Like there's no there's no just one trend anymore. You know, like it's not like oh you have to wear this or you're not cool. No. It's just like yeah. the, whatever the fuck you want. Like you can be you know people okay people are still judgmental. And yeah, totally. Like, oh, that looks stupid. But no one has the effort to care about expressing to someone not in their circle. I think your shit looks stupid. Like, mm-hmm. you, they, maybe it looks cool according to them, and you don't have any idea of that. So you're like, <laughs> there's so many know. subcultures now. Like, you yeah, can just, you can just be a fucking furry, and it's like, all right, that person's a furry. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. Like, and no, no shade to furries. That's that's not what I mean by that. But like, it's just like there is a such a a breadth of subcultures that are like Mm -hmm. kind of not accepted completely, but like much more so than I think when like there was more of a mainstream culture. Yeah. Now there's more of a acceptance of there being different standards for different groups. So it's like, well, you know, our group will make fun of you if you try to hang out with us, but you don't do X, Y, Z or whatever, you know, Oh, you don't have enough Stanley cups or you don't, (laughs) uh, whatever the fuck it is that our group does. You can in group out group that, but there's less, there are way fewer fucks being given about any, you know, people outside of that, what they're doing. It's like, I don't know, man, maybe they're cool in their group. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's not my standard. It's, it's like, again, with fashion, it's like all these different cores, you know, like cottage core or whatever, you know, like it's, it's all different aesthetics and Mm -hmm. there are kind of rules within that aesthetic, but like no one's going to tell you which aesthetic to be in. Yeah. It's just a fragmented culture in that way. And so I guess you're, we're kind of saying like the, the good side of that is you are better able to get in touch with and hear from people who are on your side of things, you know, as far as the class struggle goes, as far as global capital and everything like that is concerned, you can, hear from people on, on the right side, you know, and it does have kind of the, the detrimental effect maybe of thinking we're more numerous than we are (laughs) or whatever, but it's uh it's refreshing, I think to 
like you said, not think you're going crazy. Yeah, yeah. But Israel certainly is going crazy. They're like, oh, geez, could we, could we just, we really want to destroy these guys? Could we, what if we destroy the hostages too? I mean, <laughs> would that really be so bad? Ugh, it's insane. It, it really is just a burn the whole thing down mentality. It's, it's fucking nuts. There are ways to cope with this, ways to keep your mental well-being, your health and, and wellness and some of these programs uh, you may be familiar with in the sense that your workplace oh, offers different wellness, you mm-hmm. know. Well, yeah, they've got one. Benefits and shit like that of like, oh, here you go, uh, mental, you know, mental health services and digital wellness solutions Ooh. and mindfulness seminars Ooh. and things like this. Okay, yeah. I'm prepared to cut out a laugh in case one of the ones you name are from my company, so... Let's see. <laughs> well, uh, this well, this was keeping a generic sort of massage classes, resilience workshops, which Ugh. sound really stupid. Sounds awful. Coaching sessions, sleep apps. This article in the Times from this past week, uh, they had they were reporting on this uh, researcher at Oxford who analyzed survey responses from. More than 46,000 workers. See, that's a good more than or about number, 46,000. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't have to tell me exactly. <laughs> it was 46,336. Um, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> companies that offered such wellness programs found that people who participated in them... Get more depressed? Uh, it didn't say that. It said they were no better <laughs> off than colleagues who did not. <laughs> yeah, because... They're stupid. (laughs) It said, consider the outcomes of 90 different interventions, found a single notable exception. Workers who were given the opportunity to do charity or volunteer work did seem to have improved well-being. So solidarity with your fellow person, with your fellow people, that helps. Yeah. Go pitch in at the food bank once once a month or something, I guess, because... Nothing else. (laughs) Nothing else did the trick. It said, none of the other offerings, apps, coaching, relaxation classes, courses in time management or financial health had any positive effect, and trainings on resilience and stress management actually appeared to have a negative effect. (laughs) Because then you're stressed about your stress management. Yeah, fuck, I can't keep it together. What's wrong with me? I didn't fill up my journal. Fuck. How did I get so stressed? (laughs) Oh, what's, yeah, you know? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I have been seeing more and more people completely reach a wall with like cognitive behavioral therapy of like, man, I can't like think my way out of late stage capitalism. Like that ain't going to work, honey. You know? (laughs) Yeah. And it can be useful for particular experiences of trauma in combination with, you know, drug therapy and stuff like chemical imbalances and things for sure. We're not anti like. Yeah. Therapy. Saved my life in many ways. So, like, very important to do that. We're not anti, like, the psychiatric profession. Like, it's there for a reason. It's real. It's real science. And it's real good. But because our system, again, I mean, listen to the first hour of this episode. (laughs) It's so deeply broken. We can't do anything without, like, we're on the trolley. And the trolley is all lined with dead, with bodies that we're going to kill. And there's bodies behind us. And, like, there's no off-ramp. Like, because our system is so uniquely fucked, you can't really girl boss your way out of this one. Luckily, we've only got, like, 
90 seconds worth of bodies to go through. That's still, very but. true. We're so <laughs> close to end this track and then fucking Sweet Oblivion. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, I had a literal conversation with my husband the other day of like, should we buy a gun and or should we take down our pride flag? <laughs> Dude. Um. Yeah. <laughs> we were like discussing like which combination of these things will keep us safe. There was a story this past week also in the times about people doing like survival training. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> like out in California, like straight up prepper militia type stuff. It was called, um, S E R E survival evasion, resistance and escape mm, Okay, um, training. And like, they had like this air force officer who trains like pilots when they bail behind enemy lines, like Shit. out there training just these people, you know, who paid however many thousand to get this course or whatever. And they're just like, yeah, the world's kind of crazy. So why shouldn't we like train in case shit breaks down? You know, <laughs> like this you know, is like, not normal. Like I should not have to spend my like Friday evening, like having a conversation about like, Hey, do you think my pride flag could get me hate crime? And I should buy a gun just in case. Like his scenario was like, what if like Trump gets in, uh, fucking indicted and can't be president or something and people just go fucking rioting and i'm like i think they'd go downtown but still they're not gonna riot we all are but yeah i, I was like i think we're cool, like pretty fine here but you know anyway but like we're at some point in the conversation like it was getting quite emotional like i'm very attached to my pride flag i was like dude i bought this house and like that means a lot to me to have it up there like it's cool right and i don't remember what he said he's like he said something along the lines of like it's like normal to get a gun or something like he said the word normal and i was like none of this is normal <laughs> It's like I need to I need you to pause and like look at the situation here. It's not normal for us to have to be literally earlier that night we were discussing baby names and now we're talking about buying a gun. This isn't normal. <laughs> it's not normal for the era that we are from. No, it's not, but like it it just feels different. It hits different. It's more of a return. I mean Yeah. Get gone pioneer style. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, kind of for the old, you know, Western Civ people that always <laughs> want to return to the traditions or whatever. It is sort of an unfortunate of return. Yeah, it's a return to kind of a, a fend for yourself, a be ready to have violence committed and to commit violence. That's sort of a, a feel. Now, I don't think we're there yet. I think you guys are. We have some time. Maybe a little bit, you know, anxious, and that makes sense. <laughs> you think? My husband anxious? No, never. <laughs> it's, yeah, you make predictions and stuff, and you end up looking foolish. I mean, this is the same man that said the Cowboys growing to the Super Bowl this year, so, you know, grain of salt, <laughs> eh? Yeah. The historical record usually shows that empires take a long time to fall apart, and they just, they slowly wither and die. And the transition is so, you know, so drawn out and kind of gradual that sometimes you even have like the entity existing long past when historians go back and say, oh, yeah, they fell here. Like they're mm -hmm. still technically around as shadows of themselves. Um, and yeah, you do have, you know, breakdowns in societal orders and stuff like that. But it's usually not a catastrophic like day of the purge style. Ex that's what I'm thinking. Like here, here, we're just going to go wild. Give me a couple of generations. Let me have kiddos. Let me have grandkiddos, and then I'll peace out. <laughs> <laughs> you just like the uh, you just like the just like the billionaire class. I, mean, I know these guys right? want to cash out on 
burning up all the fossil fuels and no, leaving us with the I don't, gaseous heat. I don't want to do that. I just, I think practically when it comes down to like, okay, how anxious should I be about this is I have to tell myself that like, I will probably personally be fine. My kids will probably be okay. And maybe their grandkids will be okay or their kids will be okay. Like that's, that's what it comes down to. Again, not a normal thought to have to have. Like normally you can be like, my kid's life is going to be better than mine. (laughs) You know, that is a weird notion. I think sometimes people get a little too obsessed with legacy and putting too much on their own shoulders. Like you can, you can say, I want us to, I think people should try to aim to make the world better, a better environment for their kids to grow up in and stuff. And, and to some extent their grandkids, but that's where it really starts to taper off because at that point it's your children's world. They don't know you. <laughs> Well, yeah. It, it, well, at that point, I mean, the responsibility is kind of off you at some mm, point and yeah, it's yeah. on to the next generation. And like you, you know, need to be, you should try to make, you know, make your contributions and make, you know, set them up for a better shot at winning the world for the people. Uh, but at some point it's gotta be on them. Like us, we can't, we can't blame all of our failures on the previous generation. Like they didn't set us up really great, but some of them tried, you know, and We've done what we tried to do with it. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I think that's the thing is we're still in the generation of we probably should be trying, but it just feels very overwhelming. Anyway, you want to see this ugly statue that I like? Yes. That wasn't a great salesman job, but sure, yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. No, it's stupid. Um, so I, the reason I remember this is I remember seeing this statue in an art history course in high school uh, when we were talking about the fall of the Roman Empire and, you know, You'd think a Roman statue, you'd think of like a marble hunk. And mm-hmm. then you get to these jokers. The four tetrarchs. <laughs> look how stupid they look. They look like they're gossiping. You see that guy over there? <laughs> or it's they're giving, like... It's giving, uh, it's giving homeless uh, philosopher Socrates. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> Dude, they look like they're going to give each other little cheek kisses. It's just, It's just so stylized and kind of silly looking like i like stylization obviously i'm a fucking cartoonist but like the things that were written about the statue is very much like look how much they have fallen like they used to know how to sculpt people and now they're doing yeah. these weird little guys mm-hmm. <laughs> no that's a that's a pattern that repeats throughout history as well and you know it's crass but looking at our own time we can be like oh yeah in the future people are gonna be like look at the look at this bad superhero art. movies they were turning out <laughs> yeah right but uh like uh, the Bronze Age collapse in 1200 uh, BCE or whatever, you have kind of all these civilizations in the Mediterranean just pretty quickly collapse. Forgetting how to draw people. <laughs> uh, well, you know, the, no, I mean, there's like widespread destructions of the cities and things like that. Mm-hmm. And there's like invasions from the sea peoples that no one actually knows who they the are. The sea pe- That's definitely mermaids. So you can't tell me otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Egyptians didn't draw them as mermaids when they put them on the in the hieroglyphs and so mm. had like the Pharaoh, like fighting them off. They were just like, they had tridents and they had like cool, crazy crowns and shit, but tridents. they had legs. I mean. <laughs> okay. They could be like the transforming mermaids though, you know? Oh, okay. Maybe they got yeah. the sh- this fancy seashell from Ursula. Well, it's another, it's another historical debate of like, it's, and it's kind of one of those, like everyone kind of wants to be them of like, Oh, is it 
Slavic people. Is it Greek mm. people? And everyone's kind of like, yeah, it's it's us, bro. We're the sea people. <laughs> We're totally you know, like, the sea people. Because <laughs> it's cool. Like it's you show pretty up sick, and yeah. wreak havoc, and you get the cool wall you get sick on the Pharaoh's tomb. Like, yeah, and you're, cool. yeah, and you're in tridents. That's a that's a look. Who doesn't like that? But in the following the Bronze Age collapse, one of the big things historians look at, as far as saying, yeah, man, uh, shit broke down, <laughs> is because all these you know these empires are very interconnected, trade networks and stuff, and then you've got. Uh, artifacts from all over all over the place so they're, they're clearly when that breaks down and you look at pottery from before and after or, or architecture like um murals and frescoes and shit like that from before and after it's just like the tetrarchs it's cool as fuck and like ornate mm-hmm. and you know broke very fancy to simple this is this is a potter with some just some some circles within circles just plain geometric designs mm-hmm. like we don't have that sort of time anymore to do that sort of stuff like we're more focused on staying alive not getting our you know village raised to the ground we don't have time for the fancy arts you know yeah and less like written artifacts because fewer people were writing shit because fewer people knew how to read just wow. decline in literacy yeah yeah which we're probably also going to see if we continue to offload, you know, public education into just uh, let's defund that. Let's turn that over to AI virtual tutors and just have, you know, one quasi certified teacher or one, you know, spouse of a National Guard member, <laughs> uh, you know, facilitating a classroom of 100 kids with their virtual AI tutors. Media literacy certainly is not doing well. I would say regular literacy isn't doing super well either. So. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. But I guess to go back to your original c- concerns about. Oh, yeah, yeah. My my gun and my flag. <laughs> like political violence and stuff. <laughs> Which makes me sound really, really uh, like a different kind your of Your gun person. and your flag. My gun and my, in this house, we kneel to the flag. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can take my gun, but you can't take my flag. Before we get back to it. Uh-huh. Another quick detour. That's what we do here. Uh, this sem- this year I started, I just kind of trailed off mid last semester and have been doing so since without issue is I was always like, well, I'm social studies teacher when we do, you know, the pledges, which we do here. Mm-hmm. I just said them and nicely enough. I was like the only person in the room saying them, although Oh, really? The kids don't say that? The kids don't say it. So I was like, I wonder if I can just not say it and just stand and do the thing like they do. Uh So I started doing that Uh and it didn't seem to be an issue. No problem. That's that's normal. So that's what I do now. Wow. It's it's nice, I guess, in comparison. That's a big change because we all fucking said it growing up. Yeah. I mean, that's what what I did last year with eighth grade. But the but the students in middle school or whatever they weren't saying it, yeah. They were just standing, for the most part. And then this past semester, I didn't have to deal with it at all actually because I didn't have a class for that, so I would just sit my ass down at my desk, cause <laughs> whatever. But uh, this semester, I was like, I'm just gonna stand here and see what happens. And yeah, sure I'm enough, like, it, it they're not gonna call you out on it. Like, no. are you not American? <laughs> and I'm always like, pointedly not paying attention. Like the kids will, in this class anyway. Most of them stand, you know, and do the little hand of the heart thing. Like it's kind of, I guess for them, it's kind of like it's the national anthem. You just stand there while people do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I'm always like not paying, not looking around at anyone like, 
I don't want to give the mistaken mm, impression yeah. that I'm looking at you like you're sitting down. You're like, <laughs> that is your fucking right. Like, yeah, um, dude, do whatever I'm you not want. Paying attention. That minute belongs to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's uh, my gun and my flag. My, you know, my country. My gun and my flag. <laughs> Except the flag is trans. Report from the front lines. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, going back to that, I don't know, political uh-huh. violence. I'm probably good for a while. I think so. Um, cool. It's not a pleasant analysis either, but <laughs> I don't think that people in government, even the sorts that, you know, Trump, if he wins, would bring in. I don't think any of them are serious enough. They don't have ideological convictions or they're racists, but they're not like racist enough or dedicated to racism enough to do stuff about it. And they're transphobic, but they're not like, it's not really what motivates them. What motivates pretty much everyone in the American political... Yeah, yeah, everyone's scammers in the Republican... I ain't worried party. about the people in charge. I'm worried about the crazies that follow them. But the crazies that follow them are worried about their jet ski dealerships. And they're worried about, mm. like, you know, just, like, uh, inflation or, you know, buying another big truck or just, mm-hmm. you know, getting to post mean things online. I, th- I think so, too, because like, I, w- I was like, dude, I mean, they got to the fucking Capitol and they didn't do anything like they overturned some desks. I can handle that. Yeah. Like, that's what they were willing to do with, like, the biggest target that they actually got into. What the fuck are they going to do in my house? <laughs> well, that's the other thing is that it was also highly directed. You didn't see, like, pogroms tearing through people's, you know, regular neighborhoods mm-hmm. and shit exactly. like that. Exactly. They're like, we're all going to show up here and make yeah. a statement. So they're not going to go to like a house. They're going to go like to a local government building if they got that local, which they wouldn't. They would do something stupid at the Capitol again. I don't think peop- most people, most people in the government have the dedication to carry out the sorts of projects and, and the legislative changes and like the changes to government structures and policies that would be necessary <laughs> to commit like, you know, to start doing purges, mass arrests and execution, shit like that. Yeah, camps. Yeah. We'll just slowly strip us away of our labor laws and autonomy yeah. in general. They're just gonna fuck you with businesses. Yeah, they're gonna fuck you. And then when, when when you go further down to just like their followers and stuff, there you know you're probably gonna see some sort of uptick uptick in random kind of violence mm-hmm. of just people you know doing a racist killing of somebody or whatever, and some random hate crimes. But it's not gonna be like people tearing through the streets. I don't yeah, yeah, that's kind of the vibe I'm getting as well, but who fucking what knows? To, what do you have to do to be able to carry that out? It's the dark side, but it is essentially what we're talking about, uh, what we talk about a lot, is solidarity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to have a group big enough and a group not scared of the cops or any sort of retribution enough. Yeah. Like, you, you, ha- have, to you have to really make commit. Make connections with human beings that we don't do anymore. So... <laughs> You know, for all these, uh, everybody who's going to be emboldened, when, you know, if, if Trump wins or there's some big right wing insurgents, whatever, everyone who's going to be in that camp of like, oh, hell yeah. You know what? How that's going to be expressed is they're going to bother their children and grandchildren with more conservative memes from mm-hmm. Facebook. They're going to make bad like, jokes. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, bet you luck that Trump won now, huh? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, that's it. That's the extent. Like, they're just going to be, like, basking and, like, <laughs> they're going to say, it's great. And now I get to laugh at the liberals when mm-hmm. things happen from a victorious point instead of stewing about it from a sad point. But that's, that's it. it. Like, no one has any convictions to do things in 
In this case, it's kind of good <laughs> uh, when it's your enemy's yes, lacking yes. connection. May they always be lazy assholes. Unfortunately, we are also lazy yeah, assholes, for sure, for so sure. we don't get anything done either. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, uh, to close this out, maybe? Or how are we feeling on time? Uh, yeah, I don't... I, the only other thing I have is Lennon died 100 I years ago. I saw that. Ago. Yeah, yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. Lenny. Lenny. I miss you, my son. I don't know why I outlived you. I'm a ghost. <laughs> That's his mom for new listeners. I do an impression of his mom. Since they like embalmed him and shit, he didn't get to do normal ghost stuff. I don't think you get to. You don't get to you ghost. Don't get to be a ghost if you get embalmed. Right? Are you saying there's no such thing as a mummy ghost? Well, I mean, I know that theologically it's like a spirit or something separate from your body, but. I think you do. I don't know. I think that's a little old ass shell. You step out of it, like in the cartoons. I guess it depends on who's right about like when you seep out of your body. Like, cause you what if you it. get trapped with the embalming fluids? You uh, know, and then you're just like no, no, no. no. So they've you done. <laughs> there's supposedly studies where they they <laughs> measure a body before and after death, and there's that like little like point something of a gram, and that's your soul. How many grams are a soul? Uh, let's find out. There, I, so I heard this. I mean, I had heard it before this, but I heard it uh, as a joke on Ted Lasso. And so someone was the one of the characters was like. Whoever did that study had to then like murder somebody and then measure them. <laughs> like measure them. Murder, Sorry, it's measure. for science. <laughs> <laughs> All right, weight of soul, twenty-one grams. Uh, oh, guys, this is not real. Nineteen oh seven. This was a spookometer situation. <laughs> <laughs> this was a. This is Victorian science when we just did not know. They showed up at the World's Fair, like, look at the latest discovery. I've discovered that the soul, a human soul, exactly. is 21 grams. Let's see. Let's see. Okay. Well, in 2001, someone tried to redo this, but they did it on fucking, like, livestock. They did it with rams and ewes. And those guys Ooh. don't have souls, according to Catholics. Oh, I was going to say, like, according to study shit. According the to Catholics study. are right. No, no, no. His experience showed that seven of the adult sheep varied their weight upon dying. But they actually gained weight. Ooh. So they got bonus souls. What? How does that work? <laughs> I don't know. Why are Maybe souls dwelling souls? in sheep carcasses? Sheep eat souls is what I've learned from this. 2005, there was an experiment using electromagnetic detectors to pick up any escaping moment. Uh, but this was only proposed experiment and never got funding. Yeah, because all that electromagnetic stuff is really stupid as it comes to, like, <laughs> supernatural ghost stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like... That's a spookometer right there. That's what the that's stupid shows on TV do. They, like, go over here and they, go, oh, and then they you know, yeah, show the you a little hunters. spike. And it's like, yeah, the ghost hunter mm -hmm, people, yeah. Mm -hmm. like, you that see is. that? That was... The, the instrument started doing things. <laughs> it's like, like, okay, fuck calm the fuck down. No shade oh. to any of you guys who like that stuff. It's just not mine. It's, it's not my bag. Not my bag. Uh, okay. But to close us out, in case you're like, man, that was a depressing one, which, like, I get it. I mean, I have, you got me right <laughs> Welcome there. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. I have clinical depression. Uh, <laughs> but we'll close with a little story of people fighting back, because there's always people who are going to fight back. And I love these little stories, uh, especially from the deep past. And today we have one. The Nottingham Cheese Riot. Hell yeah. What was wrong with that cheese that made people riot? Okay. We were talking 1766 at the city's goose fair, which sounds like a great time. Would love yeah. to go to a goose fair. <laughs> Man, who tried to ruin the goose fair? That sucks. I know. So it's this livestock market. 
lots of geese being traded, but also a bunch of other stuff. And it became very associated with cheese, which Nottingham was known for. Specifically goose cheese. Well, actually, it's red Leicester. So it looks like a type of cheddar. It looks really fucking good in the picture. I want to say that's Leicester. Is it Leicester? I just assumed because it was British. Maybe there were some secret things I was supposed to add to it. Leicester. Sorry. Leicester? That said Leicester. Like the name Lester. It's got an extra like syllable in there. L-E-I-C-E-S-T-E-R. L-E-I-C-E-R. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Lester cheese. Whatever. It looks like a fucking cheddar. Anyway. (laughs) Now you're mad at the cheese because of the city. Fuck this cheese. (laughs) (laughs) So you have a poor harvest. You got food shortages. And so you have this fair and you had a uh, larger than usual quantity of cheese for sale, but it was at inflated prices. Ooh. I did the math here, and it doesn't sound that expensive. It's adjusted for inflation, I think. So let's see. It would be 180 pounds in modern currency. Let's see. That is $228 uh, for 112 pounds of cheese. What's that per pound? Yeah, it's like two. Um, two dollars, dollars a, a pound? pound yeah. That's, yeah. That's not... I'm trying to picture a pound of cheese. How much cheese do I normally buy? It's not really like if you go to Kroger and get a mild cheddar cheese mm-hmm. block. Thank you. Thank for you for eight doing ounces, the research. So I guess two of these. Uh huh. That'd be two fifty each. So Said modern five cheese prices. <laughs> so five dollars. Five dollars for a pound of cheddar cheese. Okay. Versus two dollars then. Yeah. And that's well, supposedly maybe. adjusted for inflation. Yeah, but which inflation? When did they adjust it? Twenty seventeen. That's not far off. Yeah, right? Worst case, it'd be like three. Anyway. Anyway. They didn't like to pay that Here's the thing. It was twice what was recorded at the market just a week earlier. Oh. Price of cheese doubled in a week. I'd be pretty pissed if I went to my, you know, my grocery store and the cheese was doubled. People were very upset about the food shortages and they were mad because uh, the merchants that came to this market bought a ton of this cheese and we're going to go back home and sell it in their county. These Lincolnshire assholes. And then we're going to sell it probably for even more money. Probably. But I'm going to just read the direct quote from the Wikipedia because I really enjoy it. (laughs) They were then surrounded by a group of, quote, rude lads, quote. Hell yeah. (laughs) I love rude lads. Rude lads represent. (laughs) Who demanded that you Hey, yo, government, what are you doing that cheese? (laughs) Give it back. You okay. think you can take out cheese out here? That's our cheese. I actually can't do a Lester accent. I don't know where the hell I they are. I don't know. England, so. I have no idea. Uh, Lester is in north? the East Midlands. East? Where the fuck? That's what I'm looking up now is East Midlands. Okay, so it's, it's north of London. But not like crazy north, like, excuse no, me. No, it's not like Not, not like almost lines. Scottish. <laughs> yeah, it's not like that. No, it's... Yeah, anyway, send us your best uh, cheese British person impression. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, these rude lads demanded that they not take away the cheese and instead share it out in Nottingham. Uh, and fights broke out. They uh, decided to just start looting shops and hundreds of cheese wheels were thrown and rolled down the streets. And the mayor of Nottingham got knocked over by a rolling cheese wheel. Damn. A new take on Big Block of Cheese Day. <laughs> Big wheel of cheese day. Don't get run over. Good luck. In England, yeah. The way they do big block of cheese day is they have the mayor like 
<laughs> running for his life from a big Indiana Jones style like wheel of cheese yes. behind him. And he's like, ah. Okay. Interesting, though. I listened to Gastropod the other day about cheese, and they were saying that the reasons, uh, like, some cheeses come in really big wheels is because, uh, especially, like, alpine cheeses, uh, because they had to, like, roll them down the mountains. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, if you have, a, like, a craggier environment, you're more likely... Because you would have to cheese have... caves and shit, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, that's and you got that sea salt and shit. I liked that episode. Anyway, so yeah, you got you got cheese fights. <laughs> uh, some locals got they they got their guns and their flag, <laughs> uh, and they they tried to block the merchants from carrying away the cheeses. Somebody seized a boat with its cargo of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> the owner of the boat offered to pay the crowd off and and In sell <laughs> to sell his wares at a low cost. So kind of yeah, he's like, can I cheese my way out of this situation? <laughs> Uh, DM, I'd like oh. to. I'd like to rescind my earlier offer to the townsfolk and <laughs> roll for sell cheese. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> roll for cheese, uh, but they didn't accept that. They're like, "No, we're stealing your cheese." Uh, <laughs> uh, a warehouse was attacked. Uh, they they fought some people off, but still, some of their cheese was taken too. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just got to the sentence. The warehouse owner organized a mounted posse to track down the cheese. <laughs> Which the had been posse. taken to Castle Donington. What the fuck are we doing, guys? We gotta go uh, get the cheese. But I mean, country and cheese. Cheese is very important. It is like one of the things that made us uh, more lactose tolerant as a species. Um, it's one of the things that really uh, drove our connection to livestock. Um it genetically changed us because like we started eating more cheese. And so people who were lactose intolerant, like became more resistant and stuff. Um, Cause it used to be only like babies could drink milk. And now it's like, everyone can drink milk. But for the most part, there's obviously still people who can't drink milk. But cheese converted people who are more borderline to be more lactose tolerant is what you're saying. It basically like was a positive survival marker. If you could stomach cheese better. Um, and, because you get more nutrients, mm-hmm. better preserved. Yeah, so cheese heads were more like, likely to live. And so you end up having just a more lactose-tolerant population in general, genetically speaking. But yeah, it was, it was very, it was a big deal. It was like a convenient, relatively long-lasting food. Anyway, great episode about cheese on gastropod. <laughs> uh, back <laughs> to the story. The magistrate refused to sign search warrants for houses in the village. <laughs> So I'm not looking for he's cheese. He's like, mate. listen, dude, that's, this is y'all's cheese fight. I'm staying out of it. You see the mayor, he just got run over by cheese. I'm pro cheese. <laughs> not I'm picking not, a fight with big cheese. You're not going to catch me saying bad shit about cheese. <laughs> so the posse uh, detained several citizens on suspicion of rioting and uh, brought them to the magistrate's house demanding justice. <laughs> the posse was driven away by a mob of women and children throwing stones and withdrew, losing their cheese. Hell yeah, dude. Damn. They got got. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, like any any good riot, uh, the cops get called in. The Ooh. 15th Dragoons. Uh, there's a picture here, and they look real fucking prancy fancy. Uh, <laughs> look like real real twats. So yeah, they the cavalry. I always say cavalry. Or cal- yeah, cavalry. There we go. You always say the wrong one. I say the Jesus one. 
<laughs> yeah, Calvary. That's yeah, exactly. Jesus one. <laughs> Uh, so the guys on horses get called in <laughs> and, uh, they shoot into the crowd, of course, cause they're cops and cops will always be cops, even in 17, whatever. And, uh, they cause injuries and the death of one man, William Eggleston, who was standing near oh, no. a pile of cheese. He went out the way he lived with cheese. Surrounded with cheese. Oh, he was a farmer and it appears he was killed while protecting his own wares, having been mistaken for a looter. Oh, poor guy. Dude, he's like, this is my personal cheese. Classic cops just coming in, shooting wherever the hell they want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No regard. Not that they should have been shooting proper rioters, you know. <laughs> Shouldn't have been shooting them either, but... Oh, damn, that is a fancy-ass uniform. Isn't that really silly? These are the... I'm going to see, am I looking... The King's Hussars? Ooh. The 15th King Hussars? The 15th. No? Maybe this is I'm different. The, yeah, no, that's it. That's where the okay. link goes. Dude, George Augustus Elliot, he, he Here, can do a pose. See. Let me see him. Oh, my God. Yeah, fancy. That With is... the fucking sky behind him. Calm down, dude. Look at me. I am the Lord of the Flames. <laughs> Destroyer of cheese. Protect, I guess protector of cheese. <laughs> uh, Yeah, so a lot of violence, a lot of... Uh, back and forth between the looters and the the magistrates and all that kind of shit people got detained but then they were freed that kind of stuff at one point (laughs) wagons carrying cheese were formed into convoys and provided with an armed escort so that's a pretty cool military job right there i'm protecting and serving the cheese (laughs) (laughs) it was like um you know Stalin and his crew doing like the bank robberies, but of cheese. And so like <laughs> the czar sends out like the armed guards to protect the cheese convoys. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Let's do a cheese based economy. I'm in. <laughs> but yeah, apparently this was like a part of a, a rash of, of food shortages in, in England in this time. So lots of other cities had this kind of rioting issue. What would, you know, fellow... You know, maybe they were more of the imperial core country at that time. Now we've taken up the mantle. What would Americans cheese riot over? Not cheese. I don't think we're that, you know. We like cheese, but not not to that level. Um, hmm. I mean, toilet paper, we came kind of close with that one, eh? <laughs> uh, I feel like meat in general we're very passionate about. You think it'd be chicken? Chicken. Just no chicken breast available. No, yeah, no boneless skin. The boneless, skinless chicken breast <laughs> riots. That's a lot less fun and also probably a lot stinkier. You know, your convoys are going to have to have like the frozen trucks. Yeah. Uh, or else it's going to be a really short riot. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, you have the refrigerator trucks with like Mad Max guys hanging on the side of it. <laughs> Trying to know. break in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, honestly, corn. Corn's the answer. Corn's always oh, the answer. corn. There you go. That's our food pyramid. It's just, it's not a pyramid. It's just the shape of corn. And that's it's what just, we eat. Yeah. <laughs> the food corn. That's interesting. Because, like, okay, so cheese is like more of a primary, like, it's like more of a consumer facing thing where I think corn in the U.S., yeah, people buy it to like eat directly as corn, but it's so much behind the scenes of feeding things that people eat. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess the rioters there would just be like the food manufacturers. Like, where's my corn? <laughs> Got <out> my corn. <laughs> Fucking um, Tyson Chickens is sending like <laughs> like a private militia to go raid yeah. some cornfields and shit to oh get. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> to requisition corn enough totally. to make their shit. Ugh. 
Anyway, cheese. <laughs> it's important. People get real passionate about it. And the point is, people know when things are an un- unjust and they'll they'll roll a cheese wheel at you if they have to. Yeah, and you don't want to be, when people step back and look in history, you don't want to be like one of the losers that was like, won't you think of the poor lowly cheese merchant? Like, <laughs> You don't want to be that, that asshole on the horse looking all stupid. Yeah, I think one of the points of our show and one of the things that unless maybe you're gung ho about it and you want to eat meat and gut buff, you know, you can do that. That's fine. But if you're more casual, you know, one of the things you can be trying to do is cultivating within yourself um, a mindset, a lens that is attuned, I suppose, uh, with the working class with the proletariat with the with the global south mm-hmm. with the oppressed mm-hmm. you know the big theme is as always which side are you on yep and you want to develop a strong enough analysis of the world and just like i mean almost moral sensibility you know a real marxist will say more of like a, a class analysis okay but i think it's okay yeah it's 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 sort of a moral core as well of like who is you know, right and wrong, but that's that's sort of the sensibility you have to be able to develop. Like, what's right, what's wrong in the situation depends on who's the oppressed, who's the oppressor, and build within yourself this ability to discern that and then this, like, what would you call it? Like, kind of a righteous anger. Yeah. Or like a indignance, uh, you know, this. You, n- you never want to deaden and just be like, because it's easy to deaden. It's easy to be like, it there's is. too much shit going on. But you want to have a sensitivity uh, to that. And so when things do pop off closer to you or halfway around the world, you can at least post in the right way about it. (laughs) But if it is around you, you can take part in the revolutionary moment. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think I genuinely hold communism and socialism and the ideals of those things very close to my heart as a moral compass. And, And I think... You know, I think traditional Marxists might see that as as maybe not the way they intended things to go, but like it works for me because I I do try to view it as like, hey, like again, kindergarten communism, like this is the right thing to do. (laughs) Like we should share, we should not be mean to people, like pretty fucking simple. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, people will call you naive and they'll call you like, you don't understand how the world works and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's not naive to want better for the world and to believe in humans that we can eventually, like those nuclear scientists said, work together and solve problems. Yeah, I was going to bring that up of like the world that you claim to understand, buddy, is 90 seconds away from <laughs> destroying itself. So apparently you don't understand it either. Yeah, I would like to take another option, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, did we want to talk about Patreon funds or no? We can, yeah. Okay. Uh, there is a food pantry in my neighborhood, and I think it would be really nice just to like go shopping for it one day together and fill it on up. We've got uh, $1,650 to spend on the people and their needs. Hell yeah, $1,650 of the people's money. And yeah, the food bank, it's like a, like kind of a community mutual aid thing. Yeah, I can give it, it a shout out. It's, uh, it's called uh, La Canastita, so the little basket. 
Yeah. And it is a leftist mutual aid action group in in Oak Cliff, uh, which is my neck of the woods. They do Narcan, they do um, repro kits, uh, and they have a fridge. Um, it's really cool. Um, they they do lots of stuff. Like they've been doing a lot of stuff because of the you know the winter storms here. Um, trying to get supplies together for that. You know they did. They're distributing you know, tents and blankets and gloves and all kinds of cool stuff. So they seem like they're really awesome and I'd love to get more involved with them. So I think it'd be great. Um, and this is, you know, an easy action. If you want to do something similar in your area, if you, if there's a a food like community fridges or a thing. So if you want to look into where to find one of those, where you live and just swing by, see what they need. Um, usually places like this will have a list of like do's and don'ts and just fill her up. Do riot if the price of cheese is too high. <laughs> Roll your cheese wheel to the nearest food pantry. <laughs> <laughs> don't shoot innocent farmers. Please don't. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's our plan for what to do with the money this year. I just, I don't know. I think I like the idea of keeping it local. I mean, local for me. Sorry. Sorry to you, but whatever. You like the idea of funneling the you know, diverse <laughs> contributions of our listeners from everywhere just to your area. Just to I me. See, I'm see. actually just going to use this to cook a meal. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the cool thing I like about the way our Patreon setup is. We don't have to deal with, oh, I'm I'm lining my pockets with this money or something. Or, oh, I'm really letting, you know, coasting off of it or whatever. It's like, no, this is going to somewhere else completely. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that kind of helps take some of the pressure off of us, too. Of like, this, this isn't a job, guys. We don't make enough. Like, did you hear how much that was? And that was for a year. So, yeah, yeah. don't, don't get the illusion that this is actually our job. We're just here for the lulls, I guess. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we'll be doing that sometime soon. We'll, we'll probably post about it. But, uh, yeah, I consider doing, like, a Palestine fund, but it's just so hard to figure out, like, what's what's what in that situation yeah well the government's trying to make it as yeah, hard as they're it trying possibly to make that can in that that's, way that's on so purpose if you're so. actually donating to anyone who's doing freedom fighting over there then you're gonna be classified as terrorist organization uh so <laughs> you can't get mad at me for buying vegetables for my neighborhood though can you yeah I, uh, actually you can did you hear about that uh houston case someone was feeding the homeless and got got in trouble and then they couldn't find a jury to sit the the trial because they're like excuse me what <laughs> yeah i know that um food not bombs anyways get that get ticketed regularly yeah. for doing homeless feeding things there it's and they insane. post about it on tiktok and stuff like, it is insane Here we are getting a ticket for feeding the homeless yeah there was a guy who like let some homeless people like sleep in his church because it was fucking freezing and like he got in trouble it's just like guys what are these are just the right things to do and people are being punished for it like what the fuck are we yeah. doing it's um that's evil mm-hmm. <laughs> to go back to the morality that's evil that's an evil action <laughs> if like again if if i'm running a, a D campaign one of my characters ends up somehow mayor of a little village or something <laughs> and i'm like yeah so uh. these guys are taking shelter in the church because you know a cold weather storm's coming in he's like can i arrest <laughs> can i burn the down the church? church person for doing this yeah can i cast fireball in the church <laughs> Uh, um, I mean, I guess this will make you lawful evil. Yeah, I'm. I'm picturing the rest of the table just leaving. Like, I gotta go. <laughs> actually, I've got an early morning. <laughs> yeah. Everyone starts a separate group chat of like, all right, we're gonna schedule without fucking new Derek. campaign without this guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this guy sucks. 
We're going to continue the campaign. Without him, we're going to kill his character Mm -hmm. and move on. (laughs) That's fucking fair. But yeah, it's it's messed up what they do. All these barriers to just basic humanity. All right. Well, on that charming note, what are we doing next week? Next week, we're doing a reading. Ah, yes. I need to start that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You should be able to tear through it fairly quickly. It's Engels' The Origin of the Family, Private Property, and the State. Now, does that begin at conception? You'll find out uh, where Engels was if he was, you know, uh, conception, a six weeks, a heartbeat. Uh, or, you know, it's got to be a man and a woman. <laughs> yeah. No, Engels was cool. Engels was point. cool. Okay. We'll find out just how cool he was next week. All right. Bye. Adios. Hey there, comrades. Just jumping in to remind you of all of our social media. We are on Twitter at Teach Communism, Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can shoot us an email. That's teachmecommunism at gmail.com. Any of those places are good to send us an episode suggestion or a question, anything you think would be useful feedback for us or just your admiration. If you want to admire us in a public manner, and you should, you can go to Apple Podcasts to give us a review. It is the best way to help people find the show. Love when people write and review us. Please do both. We are also on YouTube if that's how you prefer to listen to podcasts. Or if you know someone that's the only way they'll listen to podcasts, send them to our page. And we have a Patreon. For five bucks a month, you get access to our notes for each week's episode, including the backlog of notes, which is a very handy resource for up-and-coming commies. And at the end of the year, all of the funds from Patreon will be given to local mutual aid in the DFW area. So, ain't going to line our pockets. Finally, we have merch. Check us out at Tee Public. You can find shirts and I believe also stickers and magnets and all kinds of fun stuff with catchphrases from the show or episode art, stuff like that. The link to that store is in the show notes, so check that out. Okay, that's all the internet. Join us next time for another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all.